So I don't know if you have heard the term midrash. In Texas, that's midrash. Well, midrash is a story that the, the Jews tell to kind of fill in the blanks where uh, there are gaps in the scripture. And so there is a particular midrash that Rabbi Yahshua ben Levi uh, meets Elijah the prophet. And Elijah, uh, the wise one, is the answer man, right? And, and so the rabbi says, when will the Messiah come? And Elijah says, well, go ask him. And he says, well, where do I go? Well, go to the city gate. Well, how will I recognize him? Well, he is the one who, who sits among the poor, and rather than remove all of the bindings of his wounds at once like the rest of them, he just removes the binding of one at a time. So if he is needed, he'll always be ready. This is our Lord, the wounded healer. Hear these words from the first letter uh, that Peter wrote to the disciples, his disciples. For to you, or excuse me, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you will follow in his steps. And then he quotes Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found on his, in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Good, this is good um, uh, guidance for our Thanksgiving meals with our family. Um, but he entrusted himself uh, to the one who judges justly, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins we might live for righteousness for by his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Emmanuel. God with us, how we need you. Be born in us today, for we are lost. We need a wounded healer. Teach us what that looks like. In Christ's name, amen. Well, my first grade boyfriend was named Glenn Stone. Now, Glenn was the king of smiles for White Rock Elementary. For all of the first graders, he was the king of smiles, this, this stupid little competition made up by a dentist. And, and unfortunately, I was not the queen of smiles. But he was perfect. I mean, he was cute, he was funny, he was smart, friendly, faithful even as a first, first grader. He was just precious. Well, sometime during that year, he, he had this pain 
happening. And it ends up that he had a condition where uh, one of the bones in his legs was not growing right. And so he had to have a brace. And this brace was a bar between his shoes, hinged to his shoes, so he had to be like this all the time. So he would walk like this. And he learned to run like this, which is quite good. And he took it all in stride, as you can say. Really, he did. I mean, his mom had to put zippers down the outside of his pants just so he could, he could you know, take his jeans off. He was so brave and always kept smiling. What a precious boy. Well, in the third grade... Bobby Ralston, one of the football stars, was injured in the football game and he broke his hip and he had it for six weeks, had to be in a cast, and there was a bar between his knees. Now guess who befriended him? Glenn Stone. Because he knew the pain of being that kid, that weirdo, the only one that has to go through this. It's like Glenn was a wounded healer of sorts with a wide welcome. Well, this Advent, we are doing a sermon series that is the Messiah that we get. The Messiah we get. It's not necessarily the Messiah we wanted. And we're looking at the paradoxes of Christ how Christ is a wounded healer this week and others in the weeks to come. And, you know, it's so, uh, it's so interesting that our king, our king, born in this feed trough, was um, his fame came from his wounds. Now, that's a weird king, the Messiah that we get. He is a wounded healer. Well, Peter in his letter this morning says that Jesus set an example for us. An example for us uh, how to live, how to deal with our suffering. And, you know, I hate that, except that suffering, we, we think it's supposed to be a detour. Y'all, it's part of the path. It just goes with the territory. And so to have an example of how to suffer is helpful. The Greek word in this passage for example is hupogramos. Hupogramos, say it. Hupogramos. And it's, it's as if there was, um, like in first grade, when we had this tablet and across the top the, the correct script would be written and we have these empty lines and we're supposed to learn, practice, 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 to write it just like those words at the top of the page, right? It's a hupogramos, an example, and we're supposed to practice till we get it right. Only this is about suffering. Well, another illustration of hupogramos, which is helpful, I think, is, is like an outline has been drawn, and we're supposed to color it in. I like that one better. There's a little bit more freedom. We get to color it in the way we want as we learn 
how to deal with our suffering. Somehow it has something to do with being a wounded healer, according to Jesus. Well, Glenn Stone, I believe, knew about that coloring in that outline very early on, for he was a wounded healer, almost just by nature. Me, not so much. It, it took me maybe five decades to, to figure out because I thought that, that you were supposed to color in that thing like you're supposed to stay in the lines. I thought that, that, that following the example of Christ, we were supposed to like do it really, 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 really well. Um, I wanted it to be perfect. <laughs> I, and so I fixed my mistakes, you know, I erased all the way through it, uh, it's hard to do with crayon, and, um, and I, the thing is when you fix your mistake, you get really good at making yourself good, then you think that you can fix others, <laughs> and um, if, you, if you think that you can help someone heal by telling them how, hmm, it don't work. That's Jesus' business. And meanwhile, when you're so busy fixing yourself, you don't really need Jesus. He's the healer. So what I didn't get was that, that in that little outline thing, we're not supposed to color in the lines. We don't necessarily stay in the lines. It's supposed to be uniquely, weirdly, us, the ones who do a candle lighting service without the people to do the candle light and the ones who it can't light, that kind of outside the lines. Happy Advent. Christ gives us the example for us to follow, to learn how to color ourselves. Christ. And that coloring becomes the wounded healer for us. By his wounds, we are healed. Well, how does that work? You know, I hate when this kind of almost magic, this almost magic stuff, like verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins, we might have righteous, we might live for righteousness. How, what? How does that work? He bore our sins on the cross. I, I don't get that. Is it some kind of magic swap? The theological term is substitutionary atonement. I think that if we realize that Jesus is speaking into our lives a language, a dialect, that we can understand always God, Jesus, the Spirit are speaking in language that we can hear. And if that's the case here, then if we understood their context, we'd understand what was being said. And so in that context, y'all, it was, it was a whole culture of, of needing to please the gods. You'd do anything to get the gods on your side. I mean, you'd bribe them. The biggest bribe, you get the most favor, right? And, and our sins, I mean, you got to pay for your sins. It's, that's the whole system of the time. In fact, to 
to get yourself clean, you pin your sins on a goat and run them over the cliff. That's the scapegoat. Happens every year on the, the Day of Atonement. It's quite Jewish. The Jewish culture was in that culture, and it might have just been our God, but they were doing it kind of like the culture was doing it with all the gods. If we please him, maybe he'll give us favor. I know you've never talked to God like that. So if we pin our sins to a goat and run him off a cliff, maybe even better if we pin our sins to a spotless lamb and sacrifice it. Jesus bore our sins. The people of the time knew what that meant. He was a wounded healer. The term wounded healer is kind of an odd one. Carl Jung came up with it. He was a psychiatrist that developed the psychoanalysis techniques that we use today. Henry Nouwen is the one who added maybe a spiritual sense or more of a spiritual sense to that. And, and Henry Nouwen was a priest, a Catholic Dutch priest in, who died in 1996. And he was a seminary professor of psychology and, and spiritual theology at Yale and Harvard. I mean, he was big time. He was a writer. He absolutely was a lover of God and people. But Nowen colored in the lines, if you catch my drift. He, he did it all right. He did everything he was supposed to do, and he did it really, really well. I mean, he was at the top of his field, world-renowned. And then... A beloved friend rejected him and sort of sent him in a spiral. Into the dark night of his soul, he would say. And after 20 years at Yale and Harvard, he, he resigned. And, and through really just despondent depression, uh, with the help of two spiritual advisors, he discerned that he should move to this, this community of, of mentally challenged, mentally handicapped adults called La Arc. And he would be their pastor. And there he stayed until he died way too early. But it was there in relationship with these wounded healers. You see, they were, they were broken people. I mean, they... The culture would look at them and say they're completely incomplete. I mean, these people, they're like, they got nothing going on. Well, no. They had everything going on because they didn't, they loved Nowen for who he was. They didn't give a flip about theology or psychology or degrees or numbers of books he's published. None of that. He was loved finally for himself. The wounded healers had made space for him to heal. He found that he really 
needed to color outside the lines. That, that hupogramos, that, that example that Christ has made, he was, he was trying to be too good. He needed to be who he truly was. Nowen says that a wounded healer, that's what we become as we have healed from our wounds. A wounded healer makes divine hospitality happen because they're so at ease in their own skin. They know who they are, and so then they can make space for others. They know about Advent candles. They know about coloring outside the lines. Makes me, makes me think of how, how we really have to be somewhat diligent to do our part in healing, to open ourselves up to Jesus to do the work. That's a weird thing. But as we do, it keeps us from bleeding on people who didn't cut us. We need to let Christ do his work and find a safe place for that to happen. Jesus has given an example. He's drawn us an outline. How are you coloring? Well, my sixth grade boyfriend, Steve Moore, he went to church with me. He was a year younger. I had his ID bracelet. Uh, don't tell my dad. He's sitting over there. Steve always tried to color in the lines, and he put a lot of pressure on himself. And this part was not my fault. We had already broken up. But before he went to Lake Highlands Junior High, he says he drank his first fifth of gin, and he had a feeling that he would chase after the rest of his life. He was all of a sudden not anxious in a group of people that he didn't know that he was supposed to be on for. It's like he could do it. And so it kind of kept going. And when his sister, my friend Cheryl, died in a horrible accident at 14, uh, Steve was 13, and, and he added that to the list of things that God didn't do right. Uh, he was mad at God. But even more than that, he felt like he wasn't worth loving. Into his 20s, he, he became homeless, jobless, friendless, was hooked on crack. He tried AA, and it helped, and he, he got it all together and had a job and a Cadillac and a girlfriend who used, and then he tanked again. But ultimately, in September of 1995, he said, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot stand myself. It was either suicide or somehow getting out of this. And so he went back to AA. And somewhere in there, he made space for God to get through 
God does that. He loves us just as we are. Don't forget it, y'all. And so, and so Steve, today, he's coloring that thing. He's outside those lines. Every day he works on coloring that hoopagramos, being in relationship with Christ. And he is the leader of the North Star Alcoholics Anonymous group that meets here on Tuesday night. Come visit him. He has a wide, wide welcome. Canyon Creek is full of wounded healers. Your three pastors are wounded healers. Lead staff, wounded healers. You all, I mean, you had a grief ministry before we had a grief ministry because you're wounded healers. You have a cancer survivor ministry. I've seen you come alongside one another. Alzheimer's support for the patient and the caregiver. Wonderfully made for people who've lost a child. We are wounded healers. And then if you think about it, the church itself, the church corporate, Canyon Creek, is a wounded healer because we know what it is to have been wounded. And we have healed. And we have a wide welcome. We're still coloring, y'all, if you can't tell. Always coloring, always following that example. And you know, thank God, it's the same God who, who put on flesh and came for us. That gracious God, he will give us a new coloring sheet. You can throw the old one away. You can start over as often as every morning. His mercies are new every morning. We keep coloring, keep coloring, new, fresh, exactly who you are, color outside the lines, be who you are, that's who God needs and wants, that's who the world is dying to know, for there is Christ, the wounded healer. Amen. Oh Lord, let us pray. Holy God, we are messy. Thank you for having wounds that you know what it is. Thank you for the example of not sitting there and taking all of the bandages off at once and, and counting our wounds and, and playing the victim. Make space, make safe space that we may be healed and that may, we may care for our wounds one at a time so we, like you, are ready for whoever needs us. Amen.